the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Dave Ellswick Show, Friday edition. We figured to finish it up for the week. And uh, can I say to all of our UK listeners uh, on the other side of the pond, uh, it is still breast milk. It is not chest milk. I just wanted to let you know. It's a st- Have you heard that story yet, uh, Heidi? They're at it, they're at it again. Uh, over in the UK, the National Institute of Health, their National Institute of Health, have said that uh, it's no longer going to, they're no longer going to call it breast milk they're going to call it chest milk because they don't want to they want everybody to be included dave are you serious uh, are you serious about that yes oh my I'll, goodness. I'll send you i'll send you a story i'll send you a story you know it's coming from the who this is out over, over over in england their uh their national institute of health uh, i've been trying oh. for some time now dave to pump my chest milk <laughs> unsuccessfully. Are you lactating? Uh, apparently not, is the answer. <laughs> I th- having read what the uh, British uh, medical, whatever it is, suggested, uh, I was trying. I was trying. I, but uh, I mean, I, I don't know what to do but to laugh at those type of the stories. I mean, the, the true story. It's, you know, it's, Dave, can I? Uh, I'm going to repeat, in essence, a comment that I've made several times on your show before, which is I think it's very important for us, particularly as conservatives, to demonstrate our compassion and to say to people, you can describe yourself in whatever fashion you want and contemplate yourself in whatever fashion you want, but don't expect me to adopt your vernacular, your impression, your understanding. Right? The same way that... You, Dave, and virtually all of your listeners are uh, strong, good, conservative Christians. I am a strong, good, conservative Jew. Uh, If someone were to come up to you and say, hey, here's a a brand new ABC religion, Uh, I believe it. Okay, you would say. And you need to believe it. Wait, what? Wait, what? You would say, "Uh, excuse me, I've got my religion, and I'm perfectly happy with my no 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 you don't seem to understand dave says the other person i've adopted this brand new made up religion so you must adopt it as well that's what's going on here uh in our leftist environment this goes on in leftist academia it goes uh on amongst leftists uh who are elected officials they are telling you not what they think okay you're always entitled to that that's 
the essence of the notion of free speech. But what you must think, that's the opposite of the essence of free speech. That's totalitarianism. And that's why the left so easily verges on to totalitarianism every opportunity they have. That's the tragedy of it all, Dave. Okay, so I mentioned that this was over in the UK, uh, that this was going on. Uh, It's already crossed the pond, and it's here in the United States. Uh, This out of uh, the News Nation in Chicago, talking about uh, from ABC Channel 27. It says, in the United Kingdom, one hospital made international headlines for changing the term breast milk to uh, human milk. It's an effort to be more inclusive to transgender and non-binary parents, but now not all organizations or hospitals are following suit. However, in Cincinnati, there's a major hospital there that's going to call it chest milk. Uh, North Carolina doctors say that despite the term, milk itself is an essential necessity to babies' health. They're going to go back, and now we're going to have the whole thing again about best that mothers feed their children the milk that they are lactating you know i mean we've known this since i would think the beginning of time there was a time i was not breastfed and there was a time and i i fall into this time in which these big companies that were selling formula i think it was nestle at the time N-E-S-T-L-E-S. they were telling people oh this is it's better it's not better now, it may be a reasonable substitute if there is not an opportunity uh, to access breast milk, but it is not better. And in fact, it's not quite as good. And that's clear. That's clear. So uh, it's all part of the denial of basic science. Now, that wasn't leftism or rightism. That was p- corporatism. Um, But what we see now about the denial of science, notwithstanding the projection claims to the contrary by the left, uh, is that they are indeed the ones denying science. Well, what's interesting, and you'll love this, Chris, is that it says that human male breastfeeding, or should I say chest feeding, (laughs) is possible. (laughs) But production of the hormone prolactin is necessary to induce lactation. So if if you're transgender, if you're a male who thinks you're a female and you want to chest feed, uh, then you have to get injections of prolactin because lactation in males is not a normal condition, period. That's this, this is, it's crazy, Dave. I know it is. I think I need a form... I need to form a group, and I'm going to start protesting because I am being discriminated against because I can't give birth. How about that? <laughs> now wait, now well, wait, now wait. They, they say that that's not true. I, I have oh been, no. I have been, <laughs> yeah, I've been. Look, they've been saying that men can menstruate for years now, and really, it's not a man; it is a woman who identifies as a man. And so okay. they call they they call that person him or he that's probably their pronouns and that they can uh you don't know, have periods that that's what got oh, uh, what's her name the writer from Harry Potter in trouble 
Rowling, J.K. Yeah, Rowling. J.K. Rowling. She made the statement. Oh no, kidding. She uh, she she put out a tweet one day saying that uh, uh, being a woman was not a Halloween costume. You know, wasn't it oh, she who put out that tweet uh, in response to someone saying uh, the the type of person that gives birth? And she wrote, "You mean a woman?" Yeah, right. But that's not the way they see it. Right. I was watching. I I've been talking about this. Uh, uh, show on netflix and i've been re- recommending that people watch it just as a refutation of evolution because if you can watch that show and how complex the human body is and say it all happened by chance it's not a mind problem that you have it's a heart problem that you have okay about god so i'm watching it and the last one was about birth and I knew they were they were going to do it sooner or later. They were going to get the wokeness into the program because it had been pretty straightforward biology. But the last part of this is woke, and uh, and and man, I'm I'm staying asleep. I'm just telling you, uh, it was about a a woman who who identified as a man who did not get rid of her bits and pieces. All right. So she be she was uh, artificially inseminated because she's mar- married to another woman, and uh, she had a a child. Now she calls herself the daddy. She had a mastectomy, so she do- she can't have breasts, and she could not breast oh, chest feed. Sorry, couldn't chest feed. So they are uh, friends in the community are giving them breast milk so they can feed uh, i think they have a daughter uh to do to do this and then she said the strangest thing uh on this uh, this segment she decided to have a uh c-section and not a vaginal uh delivery because to have a vaginal delivery was to deny her masculinity I want you to think about that for a second. That that's just unbel- I don't understand that kind of logic. <laughs> I I can't I can't wrap my hands around that kind it's, of logic. It's, it's, yeah, it's the denial of science, Dave. It's just what Rob said. Is this, this, this denial of science and and forcing onto the doctor um, over overcoming his medical view, medical judgment um, to have it done because. Someone thinks they need to have it a C-section to be it, male. It's a less safe procedure. We do it all the time. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. it is less safe yeah. than having a natural birth. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. we do it because the, the odds change, right? There's some problem yeah. that a, a woman can't. But she do birth. wanted yeah. right. a she C-section wanted it for political reasons. So, yeah, she did yeah. it because I guess it helped her still solidify in her head that she was not what she is. Dave, you know, sometimes you see, uh, often I see it because I'm in academia, you see that people write on the bottom of their emails their preferred pronouns, he, him, and they, I guess. I haven't been seeing that. Have you seen, yeah, I haven't yeah. seen that yet. Yeah, so um, I'm just wondering if, if so for a man norm, normally, I'm going to use the word normally, it would be he, him, and they or them, I guess, Yeah. right? Uh, I, I think I'm going to make mine very he, 
very him, uh, and tomato. Just to throw that in. How do you, how do you like that? And tomato. All right, All right guys, we got to get a break in. Let's do that. Then we come back. There's other things to talk about. I, I didn't even mean to really bring that story up other than uh, it, I'm just telling you, it sounds so crazy. But I'm telling you, they're trying to normalize this whole stuff. Dave, if I may say before we go to break, and Tomato will be back after this break. Okay. We'll have Tomato. Tomato is here at the studio along with uh, Chris Corbin, who is in Conway today, and I'm Dave Ellswick. Don't forget about Applied Research and what they've got going on. Got a couple of studies going, uh, one on type 2 diabetes. uh, That's a clinical study that they have. Uh, You may be eligible to participate in that study if you won have type 2 diabetes when it with an uh, inadequate uh, glycemic control or are on two or three diabetic medications and if you're a qualified participant you're going to receive study related evaluation and a study drug at no cost along with compensation for your time then the one that they're really really wanting to get people involved in is the acute back muscle spasm study they're doing Uh, The Resume study is currently seeking volunteers to participate in a clinical research study to evaluate a new non-opioid, and we need more non-opioids, investigational medication for patients suffering from back pain due to or associated with muscle spasms. So if you're interested in that, you need to get get in touch with Applied Research as well. Phone number for them is 501-954-7822. 501-954-7822. We'll be back with more here in a moment on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, going to move away from the transgender uh, discussion here and move back to uh, some big stories. Yesterday, the president uh, gave a speech uh, talking about how the last day of August that'd be the last day we're in Afghanistan. They've already give, given up, up the uh, the air uh, the air uh, force uh, area where they've got the large run, uh, runways and all of that. We've already left from there, and uh, mentioned that we have trained three hundred thousand. Afghanis uh, to help uh, uh, protect uh, the uh, the area uh, to see if that succeeds or not. We will find out. I, I have to tell you, I'm I'm pretty much uh, on Biden's side on this. I mean, it's been 20 years. Uh, it really is time for us to leave over there. I I I hear arguments again against it, saying that we don't have any close bases i don't buy that uh where we could launch from if we we're only hours away from um afghanistan from wherever we're coming from Uh, we got bases everywhere around the world and can muster the people up necessary and uh, if something happened in afghanistan it's not going to be something that happens overnight if we have any kind of uh satellite technology or whatever we should be able to see any kind of mass of troops and stuff and if we think that the afghani government can't handle it i think you know we should be willing to keep uh, the taliban at bay because they don't you know they're they're not 
they're not going to be our friend. And, uh, I mean, there's stories out already about Iran casting their eye towards Afghanistan and getting involved over there. And we don't need to have a proxy state uh, for Iran in, in Afghanistan because we'll be back fighting terrorists again over there. But I, I do think we've, I mean, we've spent over a trillion dollars uh, in Afghanistan, and it's time to come home. There are time, you know, there's times that you just got, I think, anybody that I'm talking to here on the air that served in the military, you know that there's a time that you got to cut bait. There just comes that time you got to cut bait. And I think that time uh, is now, to be honest with you. Dave, what's remarkable about your comment is how reflective it is of the ideology of many conservatives, meaning, look, here's Biden, a leftist now. He was not uh, for much time a leftist, but now he is because someone else is essentially pulling the strings, mind you. But yet he's doing something that we as conservatives generally agree with. I'll give you a slight caveat in a moment when we say that's correct. Now, if the it, when Donald Trump said the same thing, the left were a bunch of face melters. Oh, sure. Right? Oh, no, that's crazy. It's crazy. Wait. The, the thing that Donald Trump said he wanted to do, now is a good idea because uh, um, uh, Biden is doing it. Think about Kamala Harris and the vaccines. Yeah, oh, she, yeah. She was a conspiracy theorist when it came to vaccines when she was running for office. Now, they're the greatest thing since sliced bread. And they were brought into being by Donald Trump. Now, of course, the Biden administration doesn't say that. They but, never but, say Operation Warp Speed. Right, exactly. So back to Afghanistan, yes, I believe as well, generally, that when we're involved in a war anywhere, uh, it, it can't be a lifetime commitment of large numbers of troops. The one caveat that I have is I think we should always leave, so to speak, an outpost. Now, the outpost won't be able to defend an entire onslaught, but it, it it is eyes and ears, shall we say. But this is not a significant difference that we're talking about here. And so I, too, agree. You go to war, you do what you came to do, and then at some point within a reasonable period of time, you leave. This is 20 years. By no definition uh, have we understayed our visit. Yeah, let's remember, and Chris, you can jump in here and, and, and get involved in this as well. Why did we go into Afghanistan? One, we went, we were chasing bin Laden, all right? And uh, we knew that he was the mastermind behind uh, 9-11, and we wanted to bring him to justice. Two, uh, there were a lot of terrorist camps in Afghanistan, and we needed to dismantle that network. And three... And I, I don't think it was as widely publicized as uh, the first two. They wanted, in some way, to try to put a uh, a wrench into the uh, the heroin business coming out of Afghanistan. Terrible, terrible thing. I mean, when you can buy, when you can you know grow poppies and make hundreds of thousands of dollars, and then you you grow. Uh, wheat and you can make thousands of dollars i can tell you which crop is going to win out and so they were trying to figure out a way of moving from over there somehow and this is where i think our country fails uh, in, in when we get involved in this stuff is that 
we need to go over and make sure that we get done what's in our best interest at that point and then leave it's not in our best interest to try to make every country in the world the same kind of country we are because you want to know what they can't they don't have the same kind of history our country had and uh I mean, they're so tribal over there in Afghanistan. They're never going to be a constitutional country like the United States is. It's, it's just not going to happen. I mean, you even, you look at uh, look what's going on in, in, in Iraq and uh, how long we've been there as well. And they've had free elections and everything. They're still at each other's throats over there. Now, <laughs> I mean, rightly so. You could look here at the United States and say we're at each other's throats right now. Uh, as well when we come back we'll talk a little bit more about this because it's a big story uh you know i'm glad that we're going to make the move that's my personal opinion uh i was one of those people that didn't want to get involved in bosnia when things were going on over in bosnia and uh, you know I'm, i'm former military i i believe in the flag i believe in our country but what our beliefs are are not for every country in the world. It's just not that way. And uh, I don't want to send young men and young women and middle-aged men and middle-aged women and our treasure over to all of those foreign nations uh, when they don't want it. All right, let's get the news in, and then we'll come back. We'll continue our discussion. Phone lines are open, uh, 823-0965, if you want to talk. All right, back with you, Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about David Lucas and what he's done for you, all right? Uh, David is a good friend of mine and uh, does a lot of things with me as far as, you know, preparing for my my future retirement and all of that. But I can tell you this, he knows his stuff. He really does. That's why when he writes a booklet called Your Guide to Social Security, I get a copy of it. Uh, A lot of it doesn't even apply to me now because I'm already getting Social Security. I made my decision about when I was going to start taking my Social Security. But if you're concerned about that and you you got some questions about that, uh, David Lucas from David Lucas Financial has this 27-page booklet that outlines what you need to know. And it can help you get even more income when you file for Social Security. You know, you don't have to take Social Security when you first can take it, which is 62. You can wait until you're totally vested when you're 66 and a half. And that's what I did. Or you can wait till you're 70 and your check could be bigger. I just figured my odds say that I might die before I get that extra money, you know, in any kind of quantity. So I went ahead and took my Social Security at 66 and a half years old so if you're within five years of filing for social security let me suggest to you that you get this free booklet now by calling 501-222-3315 as a bonus here's what david's going to offer to you you're going to get a free customized social security analysis this is information that really is important and that you can really use and uh, if you bought, you know, if you paid for this, it'd be like uh, 900 bucks or something. Uh, that, by the way, uh, Social Security analysis pinpoints the optimal time that you can wring every nickel out of your benefits. 
So pick up the phone, call right now. Nobody's at the office, but just leave the information and they'll make sure you get the booklet. 501-222-3315. That's 501-222-3315. And uh, I'll get David on. Let's see if we can't get him on in a couple of weeks here and uh, talk to him about Social Security again and let him take some phone calls here uh, on the show. We always get a lot of phone calls when he's on. All right, Dave Ellswick's show. Uh, phone lines are open. President says uh, end of August we're out of uh, Afghanistan. I question whether you ever tell the enemy what day you're going to leave. Uh, but other than that, do I think it's time to leave Afghanistan? Yep, I think I am. And look, I only know from the people that I talk to. And I talk to people who have been contractors over there uh, and have done a lot of work. My son is one of them. Uh, and then Colonel Conrad Reynolds, who was here on the show uh, just recently, uh, you know, I go with what he says. Being in Afghanistan was like this. It's like taking a bucket of water, Chris and plunging your hand into it and then pulling it out and expecting to see the bucket of water change. <laughs> right. Well, you know, Dave, you made a great point. Why did we go there and did we accomplish what we needed to do? Then let's get out. That's, Don't tell that, them. We can still reach out and touch them. Yep. Right? We can yeah. reach out and touch them anytime we want. Yeah, but what are you going to um, do in Afghanistan? Make you. We've already took some of their rocks and made them smaller rocks all right that's right that's so, right well, are we going to send the b-52s back over again and make the small rocks tiny rocks is is that what we're looking to do i mean most of that country is almost uninhabitable that's right there's well, only certain that, areas that, that are that habitable not, well not to simplify it i mean what the military does is very complex and an enormous machine but i like to break it down um uh, to a small neighborhood, right? There was a bully on the street, and they needed help finding him, and we rolled in there and we found him, right? We took care of the bully. It's time to go. We don't have to live on the street, right? But we can come back and handle it again if they get out of line, right? Yeah, well, the bully, by the way, the bully was, uh, of course, Bin Laden was one of the big bullies, right. but the Taliban was a bully as well. And they were allowing their they're allowing their country to be used as a training ground uh, for terrorists right. that were going to into other neighborhoods and causing problems. You know. Well, and they, yeah. So take it take it a step further. If they round up a bunch of women and from a school and they kidnap them, enslave them, does the does the American uh, people, does the American government have a duty to do something about it? And then the question becomes, can we do something about it? Um, I think we have a duty to roll around the world and, and, and right some wrongs. Um, and then whether or not we're going to do it, yeah, put the politicians together and let's go do it. Well, let me tell you what. Here's the key, and everybody, I, I think most people within the sound of my voice would agree with me. If you're going to do an Afghanistan, then you better take a hard line against China because you know they've got factories where they've got people enslaved and they're they're making products and 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 they're putting them to death and all kinds of things, and uh, I think it's at that point that you got to make your your decision. You know, are you are you more interested in lucre or are you more interested in 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 morality? 
That's right. Well, and and you know, can we do something about it? Yeah, we can. You got to flex a little bit. Flex a little bit. Threat. Put the threat out there because we're not bluffing, right? By the well, way, if you look back at the, the, uh, the American people, have to make up their mind. Are you willing to pay a little bit more money for those overpriced Nikes? If they tell the Chinese <laughs> to stick it where the sun don't shine and come back and right. to our country or to some other country uh, to make uh, those Nikes, because let's face it, they may not come back to the United States because the United States has so many god-awful regulations that it, it adds price to making their product. Uh, are we willing to say to, to, uh, to Nike, yeah, you do that. I'll support that. I'll still buy Nikes, even if it, it maybe it costs maybe it costs me a, a buck or two more per pair, because that's what right. it's going to be. I mean, that's what it all comes. That's where the push push comes to shove. Are you willing to spend your money uh, for for a a product that's not made by slave labor? You right. know, I mean the the great woke Nike can't wake up and see that people are under the whip uh, of the, the communist regime, the CCP, in, in China. Uh, and, uh, you know, that the people there can't worship the way that they want to. The people there uh, can't live the way they want to. It's just recently that they can have the number of kids that they want there. Uh, now they're letting them have up to three, I think, because uh, their policy of keeping it down to one now is caused a negative thing if they're seeing a decline now in their young people and their population. Robert, am I, am I making sense here? Well, it's funny how the math works on that. You allow people to have fewer children, and then they have fewer children. You allow people to have fewer children, and the population goes down. But this is also that broader point, how communism dictates to people their individual choices rather than a democratic process that we largely have, not entirely, well, that's a, that has the interests and desires of the people dictating to those elected what we want. Yeah. I went and saw uh, Black Widow last night, Chris. Ooh, I've heard. I missed it. Is it, it, yeah, is it a good movie? Well, it just came out. It's, a, it's just coming this weekend. Uh, I saw it last night. They, you know, showed it on nice. Thursday night. It's pretty good. Here's what I kind of liked about it. I'm kind of surprised with marvel being the quote woke uh company that they are that the right. they actually followed the comic and how the black widow became the black widow uh, a lot nice. of people a lot of people didn't know about a lot of that and i don't know how many people are going to catch it uh, as they watch the film but i i can without blowing the film up or anything or, or destroying it for you i can say this the black widow of course, that's Johansson. Uh, it starts off by showing her when she's a little girl. I'm going to think she's probably 10, 11. And her sister, she's probably 6 or 7. Their mother and father, they're living in Ohio. And you find out that they're spies for the Soviet Union, uh, for the Russians. And uh, they're trying to get out of, uh, they're trying to get out of Ohio and get back to Russia. You find oh, out. You find now. Here's the key. You find out later in the movie, the father's really not the father. He's just a Soviet oh, agent. Oh. The mother was just a Soviet agent, 
and they're playing their part. And the girls were taken from families that they had and put into the playing the part of their daughters. They're not a real family. They're not, you know, they're not the real kids and stuff. It's a, it's all to to advance the state of the Soviet Union. It's it's a good movie, and that underlining thread that is there kind of surprised me as I was watching the movie uh, last night. Now I wasn't surprised that you get to the end and there's this big woke moment that <laughs> that happens, and every, everybody who understands what I'm talking about, you're going to identify that immediately. Uh, but overall, I got to give the movie an A minus. I really I really enjoyed. It. I thought it was good. Thought it was very good. And and stay around. They got a post credit scene. You don't want to miss it because it's important. Oh, yeah. It's it's really important. Yeah, it's they, really important. They always do that now. Yeah. But I was kind of well, no, I, I won't say that because it might give something yeah, away to don't people. Give anything away Bottom about. line is though, I thought that that storyline runs all the way through that movie. I was two hours of it. You know, Dave, you talk about the Soviet Union, you talk about totalitarianism. And, of course, the mantra used by all of those totalitarian states was, well, this is for the good of the state. It's for the good of the state. And, of course— in Not ra- for the good of the individual. No, of course not. By, by definition, it wasn't for the good of the individual. And to be clear, in reality, what, quote, was for the good of the state, end quote, was really for the good of the cronies in charge. The hierarchy. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I can't tell you how many times I've heard in higher education— uh, well, this, this is good for good for the institution. This yep. is good for the students. All along, being said by a bunch a bunch of entrenched crony, overpaid, overpaid administrators across this country. It's the same in higher education. And what they want to do is outsource the work of the professors uh, to adjuncts, meaning people you hire for fifteen hundred dollars, three grand to teach a course, uh, who do it on the side. Now, let me tell you, if if you're a student paying tens of thousands of dollars in total tuition to go to law school, do you think you want to have someone teaching you who's doing it on the side or is doing it as a profession? Yeah. Um, and by the way, we we're, uh, allegedly are going to see some of this happening even here locally uh, at my law school in the following sense, to be clear. They now are talking about wanting professors like me to teach the core courses. Now, that's fine. We do. Well, currently, we teach the core courses. But to teach only the core courses and all of the what we call electives, meaning all of the specialty courses taught by outsiders. So our expertise, like I don't happen to teach a class yet on the Freedom of Information Act, but if I were to want to, well, we'll bring someone else in. Wait, I'm the expert, but they'll bring someone else in. Uh, I teach a, a class on law and economics. Um, that's uh, not a core doctrinal course. So if they were to continue to cover that, they'll bring someone who does it on the side. Now, does that strike you as a way that people who pay tens of thousands of dollars in tuition are getting their money's worth? Think about that. Yeah, I agree. And we're going to talk further with Robert. He's got a special deal that's coming up. Uh, he's going to be uh, uh, appearing with another individual in front of uh, legislators to talk about an issue that I'm not going to divulge until next hour. <laughs> and we're going to talk. That's to get you come back to listen. They're coming uh, back and, anyway, Dave. So we want to hear from uh, <laughs> from Robert. I want to talk about an article that I got from Chris, which 
might make it tough about the bar. You know, you got to pass the bar to practice law. Is that is that legal? Uh, we'll talk about that as well as we go along here uh, on the Dave Ellswick Show. Stay tuned. We've got to take a break, and then we'll come back, and we'll do a little bit here to finish up this hour. It'll be something important. Don't get me wrong. We're just not a throwaway topic. But next hour, you're not going to want to miss any of the next hour. Uh, Cabot Emergency Hospital, 100% physician-owned. You show up there, there will be a board-certified emergency physician uh, at the hospital. Uh, the hospital is open 24-7, 365. It means it's open every day, every hour, every minute, every second of those days, including holidays. They've got uh, all the equipment they need, for instance, to do x-rays, CT scans, ultrasounds. They even have an MRI on-site. They have their own on-site lab. I've talked about why that's important. I won't go into it right now. And their, only, their, their own uh, on-site pharmacy as well. Here's the real cool thing, though. How many times have you shown up at the emergency room and you go to the desk, you tell them, oh, I got a back pain. It's killing me. You know, and maybe you got a kidney stone and, and that's real bad pain. And they say, we'll be with you in a moment. Please have a seat. And, and would you fill out these 18 pieces of, of uh, paper for us and have have your uh, insurance card, your ID card, your blood type, and your birth, uh, you know, what, what number and the births of all the kids in your family were. Uh, no, they don't ask that, but I'm just saying that they ask a whole lot of stuff. And then you might be seen by the ER uh, personnel within 45 minutes, maybe an hour, maybe an hour and a half. Not that way at Cabin Emergency. You get there, I bet you you're in to one of their suites in the back within five to ten minutes, and you'll be treated, and you'll be taken care of, and then you'll be off uh, to do what you want to do, which is live your life. So you don't have to wait. I mean, that's one. You see their billboards? It says Cabot Emergency Hospital. Why wait? You don't have to wait. Not with Cabot Emergency Hospital. Uh, They are located in Cabot. Uh, They're on Highway 89, uh, right over there uh, by 67167. They're on the side of Walmart, right by uh, David's Burgers. That's Cabot Emergency Hospital. All right, back with you, Dave Ellswick Show. Hey, uh, Chris, got to bring you right in here. What do you think of Michael Avenatti? Uh, sentenced to two and a half years in prison yesterday. Uh, Avenatti uh, uh, estimated, tried to extort from nike 25 million dollars and he only got two and a half years in prison the anti-trump lawyer became a darling of the media uh and uh, i don't know if you guys have watched it i'm gonna i'll have it monday i'll have the audio of all of the people at cnn msnbc and cnbc and all the rest of them on the left talking about how avenatti was just he was the man i mean he was the guy who First, the way he got back, got into the news, uh, he, he uh, represented it, uh, represented the uh, porn star, uh, Stormy, right. whatever her name was. Well, uh, allegedly he he took some money from her, right? Yeah, he took a settlement. I mean, he I mean, here's here's the fastest way to lose your law license: take somebody else's money, right? And um, that's what he did. I think 
uh, it's interesting that he was convicted of, of trying to extort Nike. I, I haven't followed that case, but um, you know, he, whether or not he um, did it blatantly, but looks like you know the federal courts found that he did. I was more concerned about him taking a cl- some clients' money and and duping them on a settlement deal. That's yep. what I, what what really rose a red. Raised a red flag for me about this guy's behavior because uh, the public is supposed to trust somebody with a law license, right? We we were out there practicing and and dealing with other people's money, and this guy took this lady's money, albeit she was a porn star, made some money, and may have had a legitimate cause of action against uh, Mr. Trump or President Trump. And um, Avenatti, he he, well, he's reaping what he sowed. Well, why is she a porn star is always my question. Are there not any por- <laughs> right. porn co-stars? Are there not any porn supporting <laughs> actresses? And I don't even want to get into what it means to be a supporting actress in porn. But, the, you know, like, why are they all stars? Why can't anybody be? Is there no such thing as a porn character actor? No, it's just an aside, just a curiosity there for you. Yeah, let me let me read what the U.S. attorney said in Manhattan. said, not only did Avenatti attempt to weaponize his law license and celebrity to seek to extort payments for himself. He also defrauded his own client. There you go. That, okay. That makes sense to me, Dave. Yeah. Now, is it, is it extortion? If I, if you write a demand letter, say, Hey, but he didn't write a demand letter. He he wrote Nike and he said, uh, I've got a client that has uncovered wrongdoing by Nike. This is what Avenatti wrote. I'm not saying it's not true. And uh, either you pay my client, it's not clear why there would be a payment in that context, or you hire me, Avenatti, to be your lawyer. All right, let me let me finish oh, this. Oh, is that what he did? Yeah, let, oh, let me man. let me finish this up by saying that Avenatti uh, represented Stormy Daniels. She was paid $130,000 by uh, some people to be quiet about a, quote, sexual tryst that she claimed she had with the president, that the president denied having an affair, and then he kept the money. That's one of the problems that he ran into. All right, we got a lot more to talk about in the next hour, uh, in the next half hour, in fact. Stick around here for the Dave Ellswick Show.
Yeah, I was thinking the other day, and that's always dangerous. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> I was sitting around thinking, and and uh, I hadn't talked to so I was I was going to talk it over with Heidi because Heidi's my producer. But I've had that opening mm-hmm. for fifteen years at uh, uh, Thunderstruck by ACDC. Do not change that opening. And I was thinking about maybe it. it was time to move it, and then I thought this. Rush never changed his opening. He used Chrissy Hine and the Pretenders. He used that music from the very beginning of the show until the last show that he ever did. So I'm not going to change. I, I've got more people to tell me, my kids don't even know who ACDC is, Dave, but they'll sit in the back seat and, and sing your opening. <laughs> <laughs> and I find that I find that intensely uh, very very uh, uh, interesting. All right, I promised you we got a couple of stories that we wanted to talk to you about this last half hour with Robert Steinbach. And by the way, he is a, a law professor at the Bowen School of Law. Uh, his opinions are his and his alone, and not necessarily that of the School of Law or the university to which they are attached. And Chris Corbett is a practicing attorney, as is also Robert, here in the state of Arkansas. And uh, I like both. In fact, I love both these guys. I, I can I use the word love when I talk about uh, guys that are really close, close, close friends. And both of these gentlemen are. And uh, I know what they stand for. I know what they believe. And uh, I stand right next to them. You know, and we, we fight some big battles here on this on this uh, station, and it's sometimes not even on the station. You things that you don't even hear about. But I wanted you to hear about okay. this. I'm 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 excited about this, and I know Chris, you got to be excited for Robert uh, as well. He and another gentleman, you know, Robert has been talking for the last I would say three months now about this Clinton School of or, or seat or whatever. Over the, at the, the Bowen School. Pro, yeah. The endowed professorship. And at, it's like, where did it come from and why is it happening? Well, he's going to be uh, testifying with another gentleman. Actually, a woman. A woman. Okay. Yeah. The, in, dean of, the dean of the law school. Okay. In front of the, uh, which uh, committee are you going to be? It's actually the joint committee. Uh, I had mistakenly referred to it to some friends as the Senate committee. It's the Senate and House Joint Committee for State Agencies. Okay. Nine. And and they want to know how this came about. That's right. Okay, so I think this is a big deal. All right, we when we talk about Robert, we talk a lot about you know the Freedom of Information Act. He is, I believe, the man here in the state of Arkansas that knows more about the Freedom of Information Act than anybody else. And whenever I got to talk about it, I always call him and say, "You got ten or fifteen or." a half hour or full hour if it really gets technical uh, to spend on the show and talk about it. And uh, we do that. But, you know, he's he's involved uh, very, very seriously in crafting laws that are constitutionally written and bring about constitutional uh, results uh, for the state of Arkansas to give us more freedom and, and uh, things like that. And Chris does that as well. So with with that in mind, tell us what what What's exactly happening? is going down. Yeah, sure. So Dave, you remember and uh, from your show and Mike Masterson had a couple of columns on this in the day. And we Gaz, talked about it. Yeah, yeah. That uh, at the uh, at my law school, that's the Bowen School of Law, and by mine I mean the one I work at. 
and and as you say, I don't speak on their behalf. We have a handful of what are called endowed professorships. Basically, if you are chosen to be in this position, that choice is now made by the dean. Uh, but it's not an unfettered decision. It's not uh, with discretion that is unlimited. Uh, you have to follow guidelines, or at least you're supposed to. Uh, you get essentially $10,000 a year extra in bonus. And one of those positions, and they those positions are designed to come up uh, every five years. That notwithstanding, the person that had the one that I'm about to describe has had it for the last 20 or so years. So yes, it came up from time to time, uh, but this person has held the same seat. Uh, it's been given to him over and over again. And uh, that position has been known as something, been entitled uh, something like the public policy chair. Words to that effect. I don't know if I have it exactly right. Okay. Uh, meaning uh, you get $10,000 and we call you the public policy endowed professor. Okay. And then, I don't know, give or take a year ago, without any announcement, without any fanfare, without any discussion with any faculty members other than those involved, Apparently, they just started calling it the Bill Clinton or, you know, William J., whatever, uh, Slick Willie, whatever, uh, 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 William J. Clinton. No, it no, isn't Slick huh? Willie. It doesn't say Slick Willie. No, I, I get confused a little sometimes. You know, I mean, with the right nickname to use. Um, uh, the William J. Clinton um, constitutional professor of law, or professor of constitutional law, like they added in constitutional as well, by the way. That's a right. new thing, too. That's perhaps less of a problem other than now it becomes... Uh, a basis to claim that it involves only constitutional law, and over the last 20 years, it has not. So I didn't even pick up on this initially, and a colleague of mine thereafter sent out an email to whole faculty said, wait, what? And this colleague, Tom Sullivan, a, a Democrat, a, a liberal, but someone who believes in justice and someone who believes in a faculty governance, that's a what exists across academia is that the faculty actually govern the institution. They appoint the dean. The dean works for them uh, and <clears throat> said, wait a second, when did this happen? What did I miss? He's worked here 25, 30 years. Uh, and he said, uh, when did that happen? And then the claim was, well, it, it got quite literally got lost in the mail. That's the claim from the administration. <laughs> was, wait, what? My yeah. dog ate right, it. My dog ate it. The check's in the mail. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, no, it's not a cubic zirconia. That's real. Um, so that was the claim. Uh, and this is, you know, is it appropriate to have a named uh, professorship, an endowed professorship, named after a guy who was suspended for five years from the Arkansas bar? By the way, the suspension came as a result of a disbarment action that he took a plea agreement in. Uh, he was disbarred or suspended, and there's apparently some debate about this question, I can't believe, but uh, from the U.S. Supreme Court, can't practice there either, um, and uh, was uh, lied to the federal court. Uh, there are credible accusations that he was involved in um, sexual harassment type events. Uh, is this who we, as a lawyer, should we have a law school that names a position? After this guy, someone said, well, you know, the, they got the Clinton school over there. I said, well, that's a school of politics. And he was a politician. There's no question. And he achieved the highest level of being a politician. That is uh, being elected president. So I, I may or may not name a school after him, but at least there is some logic to it. 
Um, but I, I don't see airports any, named after him it, it, it and is. his wife. It, it is, although there was a bill uh, uh, to remove that. Uh, I understand and didn't get any traction or sufficient traction. In any event, <clears throat> so um, why? But why would you name? Uh, an endowed law school, law professorship, after a guy who can't practice law or doesn't, pra- oh, you know, had his license revoked uh, for five years and hasn't reapplied and lied in court, etc. It just it doesn't seem congruent. And the other things that I mentioned and other issues as well. Uh, and so, how'd this happen? Why'd this happen? I mean, are you doing this to get just get the information out, or are the people that are on this committee wanting to know? Do they need to to get some you know legal framework directed towards the law school and saying you can't, don't do this? Well, the legislature enacts the laws. Of course, we all know that, and they state agencies committee, and this is the joint committee, House and Senate, regulates all state agencies. And higher education is a state agency. So, if they believe something's going wrong, if they believe that there's a politicization of an entity. Uh, I, I perhaps ironically in a very conservative state, a politicization uh, to the to the far left in an effort to rehabilitate the damaged name of Bill Clinton. Uh, is that by individual preferences uh, over uh, institutional interests, what's good for the institution, uh, then perhaps there's a problem, wouldn't you say? Right. I, I pose that as a question. Is that the issue? Is that an issue? What do you think, Chris? That's a big deal for Robert, don't well, you think? I, well, yeah, here's, it's a big deal to the public, too, because this is uh, privately funded, right? So somebody decided to give some money to the law school to endow a chair with privately earned money. And in doing that, they negotiate with the university. Will you take my money? Here's what I'd like to do. Let's set up this, um, this chair that I'm going to fund with my money. And let's talk about guidelines to funding that. This is usually with somebody who's in a state or somebody that wants to promote um, certain guidelines or their passion. It happens um, a lot with uh, the engineering school up there at U of A, someone that's made uh, a good living from the education that they've earned, uh, education they've gotten, and the money they've earned from, from that university, and they want to give back. And then well, what, and indeed what here, appears is going on here. And, and, and indeed here, the money was given by Bill Bowen, a good friend of Bill Clinton's. And initially, right. uh, it's, it is clear initially that Bill Bowen wanted to name it after Bill Clinton, but it didn't happen. So why didn't it happen? Right. And now 20 years later, right. Bill, Bill Bowen, who was a friend of mine later in, in his life, um, uh, died many years ago at this point. So he didn't call him up and say, let's change it. Not that he could, because once you give an endowment, it's not like you maintain control over it. So what, how did right. this happen now? All right, we got to get a break in. Then I want to ask you about that endowment and, uh, and 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 get some information about that as well. Chris Corbett is here along with Robert Steinbach. They are both practicing lawyers here in the state of Arkansas. Uh, Chris is out of Conway. Chris has a lot of different people as his clients and people that I know personally that uh, speak very, very, very highly of him and. Of course, Robert Steinbach is a law professor over at Bowen School of Law. His opinions are his and his alone and not necessarily the School of Laws or the university. Right. $10,000 a year or whatever. Right. Can I say who I want to sit in that chair? I believe so. Uh, up front, as a condition 
of giving that money. That you should, be, let's say if it was yeah. you, that you or Chris or somebody should sit in that chair until you want to relinquish that chair. Yes, with the following caveat. Unless that violates a principle of academic freedom of the institution. In other words, if uh, if you say, uh, I want John Smith to win that award, uh, and, and I want you to give it to him for his lifetime, let's say, mm-hmm. and the school says, well, we can't do that because uh, that person it doesn't satisfy internal rules for what would qualify for a an endowed chair. But barring that, um, they... No, you I, and Chris I, I, both would fit that. I mean, well, no problem with that. Listen, I, I've applied for uh, endowed professorships, named professorships. Uh, I have been the most qualified for at least some of those positions. I have never received an endowed professorship. You, you can do the math and figure out why. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm just asking. Yeah. Just asking. All right, Chris, you had a story about in Texas. What's going on in Texas? Yeah, so Texas, well, first you shot that um, one article about this professor – a PhD professor at the Air Force Academy yes. teaching the critical race theory, right? I'll come back. I'll come back to that one. But the second one was very interestingly, um, some lawyers in uh, Louisiana and in Texas uh, challenged the state bar association um, and said, they don't want to be a member of the state bar association. Uh, now let's be clear in those states, they make it mandatory that you pay fees to the state bar association to be a member of the bar, and what happened is these state bars went out and lobbied the led the state legislation, the state legislature, for um, some LGBTQ plus issues over ninety seven bills that the state Woo. bar was pushing. Yeah, so what these lawyers did, conservative lawyers said, "Hey, I don't want to be a member of that. It's called freedom of, of association." And freedom of speech. There's a there's some legislation that passed just recently that have to do with concrete block companies. We've talked about it before, but it's now law that they've forced uh, attacks upon the entire nation through national legislation that block makers have to pay a tax and into this um, group, the com- commodity group, kind of like the got milk and the got beef. Well, these these cases are percolating right now, and this is what the state bar happened here in the Fifth Circuit. Um, the Fifth Circuit came down and said, hey, guess what? You're right. You cannot compel speech. You cannot compel a lawyer to pay dues to a state bar association because that's a violation of their freedom of speech. And uh, to me, this is huge. It's, it's, uh, it goes right along with what um, we've been talking about, about the county association, the prosecutor's association, the superintendent association, all publicly funded money that's out lobbying legislatures for things that the public don't want. These things um, embolden and empower and pay the, these administrators. It's a way for these administrators um, in the schools, uh, in the uh the, the, the prosecution of justice in the judicial branch to lobby the legislative branch. And it's wrong. And these cases, are, I'm trying to get some now with the block company having to pay a penny per block to a block fund to promote advertising. Well, the example is right here with what happened in the Fifth Circuit. The State Bar Association promoted legislation that these conservative lawyers don't believe in, and they want out. They don't want to use their, that money that they're required to pay 
they don't want it to be used to promote a message that they don't identify with, right? All right, well, um, okay, and, so um, that that makes sense to me. How how does that play out here in the state of Arkansas? Can lawyers here say so, I shouldn't be able to be forced to pay the bar X amount of dollars because you guys push laws that I think are BS? Well, to be clear, here in Arkansas, we don't have what's called an integrated bar with the Bar Association. Being a member of the bar means you're a lawyer admitted to practice, and you pay the usually right. the Supreme Court uh, to do that after you take a test and you fill up, go through a background check. And right. Separately, there is a club, effectively, called the Bar Association, and that's a lobbying yeah. group. And in some states, like Texas, they combined them. And then they tell you, you got to pay both bills. Well, I don't want to join the club, says these people. So the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit, thats the number just refers to the geography. We're, we live, for example, in the Eighth Circuit, as it turns out. The U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit said, you can't force them to join the club part. You can, they can charge to be a, mem- to a practicing attorney by the Supreme Court of Texas, but you can't force them to join this club, particularly given that this club is pushing a lefty agenda before the legislature. So it's not an issue here because we are not forced to join the club. Uh, we can join the club separately if we want to, uh, but don't have to. All right. All right. So it, it's kind of, this is kind of interesting. I kind of like, I like what I'm hearing though, that there's some lawyers standing up and saying, look, if you're going to push, as they said in the, in the, 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 the judges, uh, my non-germane, uh, things, then, you know, you shouldn't have to be forced to do that. Guys, we're out of time. Right. I right. appreciate you. I'm holding you that next week you're coming on and bringing me my coffee. I'll be there for sure, Dave. You okay. Bet. And we'll, we'll put it in Thank the coffee. I'm going to put it in the coffee pot back in the back. All right. So we'll have, the we'll have black rifle, rifle coffee. Coming. All right. right. Robert, thank you for coming in as well. Thank you. God thank bless. Thank you. Okay, let's uh, get to the news, and then when we get back, Matt Smith joined us, and let's talk about movies. All right, we talk about uh, health insurance a lot here, uh, whether it's you know, government health insurance, whether it's uh, health insurance you know, given by uh, your business or, or whatnot. Uh, one of the people that we talk about all the time is Pat Davis because Pat Davis just does health insurance so well that he saves you a lot of money, 30 50% on health insurance. In fact, if you're self-employed, you definitely need to talk to Pat. He can save you a buku's amount of money. And uh, as far as you, if you own a business and you pay for the health insurance or a portion of the health insurance uh, for your workers, uh, talk to Pat because he can get you rates that – uh, you'll just not find any place else. Uh, on top of that, you're going to find out it's actual insurance. It's not some kind of share plan. You're going to find out that uh, there are no co-pays. Uh, you're not going to have to pay $75, $100, dollars $150 when you go to see a doctor or a specialist before they'll ever see you. And uh, if there's any money left over, you're going to be getting the money and not the insurance company. That's just a few things that are different about what Pat Davis does than what other people do. So go the way that's not the traditional way and make it work for you. Hear what Pat Davis has to say about health insurance. Call him 501-605-6935, 501-605-6935. 6935 or visit him online 
Everybody calls him your health your health plan man. Well, that's his website, yourhealthplanman.com. All right, Matt Smith joining us now. He of the VIP Cinemas in Hot Springs and Little Rock in Cabot in Searcy, out in Batesville, all of those cinemas. Uh, he joins us today. Big movie opening this weekend. Now, a couple of weekends ago, it was, uh, you know, F9, you know, Fast and Furious 9. And uh, they did good at the box office. Big money came in. This is going to be an, uh, the real, I think, uh, where, the, where the rubber hits the road. If, if Black Widow does as well as I think it's going to do, it says that uh, movies are basically back again. Well, what's your feeling of it uh, right now, Matt, as you're seeing people coming out to see the movies uh, again? Yeah, um, uh, the, the prediction is for Black Widow to do $80 million this weekend. Uh, Fast and Furious 9, the Fast Saga, did $75 million. Um, You know, as you and I have been discussing for the past 18 months, there is no magic to this business. This business has been the same for 125 years. You put out a movie that people have heard of, you put it in the movie theaters, and like magic, people go watch it. Yep. <laughs> it's, you know, it's the same thing for 125 years. People are going to watch Black Widow. Um, and, and, you know, it's, um, it's something that um, they're going to get back into doing all the time, big hit films every Friday. I tell you, the last quarter of this year looks incredibly strong uh, with just, you know, great, wonderful motion pictures every week. And that's what we're going to get into as, as we get into, uh, get into the fall and the Thanksgiving and Christmas season. Are, are, are we traveled Black Widow last night. The people watching it love it. Yeah, I went and saw it, enjoyed it uh, immensely, thought it was really well done. In fact, I, I spent, well, I guess about 10 minutes when we first started the show saying that I, with the way Marvel has been, quote, woke, uh, and you, and you see some of that in their in their product. It was kind of interesting uh, that they actually uh, adhered to the Black Widow backstory about who she was, how she became what she was, uh, and uh, that she was part of you know basically her parents who really weren't her parents but were Soviet spies. Uh, you know, I I just thought it was interesting that they actually went there. Uh, as far as as talking about it, because I thought they would have changed it around a little bit. Did that kind of surprise you a little bit? Well, you know, you and I have discussed this before. I I like the fact that we have all of these different avenues for entertainment, and so you can get much more done and made now than you could, you know, back in the day. I mean, you think about it when there were, you know, three TV channels, three broadcast networks, ABC, CBS, and NBC, right? There was such a uh, lack of different. You know, if something worked, everybody did it. That's all you got to see, you know. Uh, everybody would play a Western every night, and that's what was on from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m., yep. you know, on all three networks or something. So I like the fact that we had this wide smorgasbord of unlimited options in entertainment. Uh, that being said, uh, I don't think the entire crazy, stupid weirdo marxist woke thing needs to be shoved into every piece of entertainment product right yeah like so like I, the heights right yeah just just <laughs> stupid weird crazy no reason for that yes and you're just kind of going along with that movie and there's this flow in this musical and then there's this just weird statement that the guy blurts out and it doesn't even fit with the storyline 
then you go back to the story and we're singing and dancing and then we're talking about murder or something. It makes no sense. It's just it's just all, you know, it, it, it's almost like they had the thing written and it flowed as a musical. And then they decided to go back and throw in sentences on politics and, and, and cancel culture and ruin the movie. Like, do not watch this, man. It's horrible. I mean, it's just so dumb. <laughs> do not watch that thing. It's 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 disgusting as to how it so could have worked. It almost was something, and then they threw in the woke. Yeah. So yeah, I, I don't I don't think you need to do that. If if you want to make a movie or a documentary about some weird political thing, hey, that's cool. Throw that. You know, go make that. That's your right. We're in America. I support your free speech and your artistic license to do that. Right. But don't shove these things into every movie or every TV show. That's that. That's what upsets me. All right, so you know, I, I watched the movie last night. Yes, I, I yes. really, really enjoyed it. And I tell you, the the person that I really enjoyed, there, there are two people, and it wasn't Johansson. I mean, she right. did what she does. Of she course, played the Black Widow. She was the Black Widow in that movie. There's hey, no doubt about it. Since but, the girl with the pearl earrings, she's yeah. on top of the world. What, yeah. a, what, a, what, a, what an artist. But yeah. I really enjoyed, really, really enjoyed the guy who played uh, the former Soviet agent, the male, uh, who mm-hmm. is in Stranger mm-hmm. Things, uh, yeah. Harbor. He was really mm-hmm. good in it. And Rachel Weisz was fantastic yeah. in that movie. Yes. Now, he was over the top and awesome and played it to the hilt. And, you know, he was just, he was going to, you know, he was he was better than Captain America, although they, <laughs> they had never met. It was just yes. comical, the whole my, my, my dad's a loser vibe of that. Uh, yeah. yeah. It, it, it was so there. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It was really he, good. He was great. He the, was great. Didn't you know? think Rachel Weisz was really good? Yes, yes, absolutely. There's nothing to there's nothing to not love about this film. Black Widow fans, Marvel Universe, Marvel Comics fans, they're all going to be like, "Wow, we waited two years for this, and it's great. We love it. So glad we saw this movie." They're going to do that, and the little sister character, you know, is going to get some of her own movies. You know, oh she, well, that, yes. that that's what the post credit scene is all about. Watch the credits when you watch this movie, but no, that character's cool too. So I'm, I'm kind of glad to see that that kind of spin into the whole Marvel universe and her get a film. But yes, this movie, you know, this movie, and, and, and of course, Fast and Furious Nine, the Fast Saga, and of course, Quiet Place Two. That's why you go to the cinema. That's what the big screen experience and that seven point oh, yeah. surround sound is all about. Those types of movies, man. Now they're streaming uh, Black Widow, but I'm going to tell you, if you sit at home and watch this on a TV screen, you're not yeah. getting the impact of this motion picture. It is yeah. it yeah. on the big I, screen. It's magnificent. It really is. Yeah, yeah. I, I heard from my Disney rep this week that uh, that stupidity is going to stop in a couple weeks. Uh, you know, they're tired of gushing blood, you know, unlike uh, <laughs> Joe Biden, uh, uh, Joe Biden, they can't just print money and, right. just, you know, pay their bills. And so uh, gushing blood and bleeding out and losing money hand over fist, Disney doesn't want to do that. So uh, that streaming crap, uh, that stops um, here in a month. It'll be over. All, no right. More. All right. So let's uh, let's talk about one other thing about uh, Black Widow. And I'm I'm going to. I'm going to make a controversial statement right now. What a big surprise on Dave Ellswick's show. Here's my controversial statement. I think the big tent pole action scenes in Black Widow are better than the ones in Fast and Furious. Well, I don't don't think that that's – 
I don't think that's a controversial statement by by no means. I mean, that's that's. And there's some big, big yes. action sequences in Fast and Furious. That thing with yes. that um, military vehicle is incredible. Yes. Well, I think the difference. I think the difference is um, in Black Widow. You are putting a superhero through their paces in these action scenes, and in Fast and Furious, it's a car. And so I think somewhere in the back of your mind, you're like. That's a car, though. That's yeah. a car. A car can't do that. Right. I think that hurts the action sequences in a viewer like me or you when we're watching Fast 9. But now for kids who are just going there for the whole craziness of, of Fast and Furious 9, that works for them. Oh, yeah. Well, it worked for me. I liked the movie. Yes, yes. You know, I gave it an A. I, I've given, you know, I think that uh, Black Widow won the best uh, Marvel movies made thus far. Yes, great job. She does a great job with the storytelling's good. They wrap the family aspect in there. They got the mom and dad. They got the little sister. That whole aspect, along with uh, why this person is what she is, her total backstory, it totally fits as a prequel. It, it's right in there where it should be. And I mean, you know, that's that's why that's been the most successful movie franchise of the past twenty years. There's a reason. Yeah, you know? just just for everybody to know, this movie takes place between right before Endgame. When the guys are all in jail and stuff, and yeah. what is the Black Widow up to, and and what was going on in her life, and that's what the movie's about. It is not up. It's not what happened after uh, Endgame. We know what happened after Endgame right. to Black Widow. It's about what led her into uh, Endgame, and it's really good. It's it's an excellent movie. It's very very well done. Really liked it. We got to take yeah. a break, dude. We'll come back. I want to ask you some questions about Fast and Furious that I've heard about as well. Uh, We'll do that with Matt Smith. He's with us. He is the, of course, um, movie maven here in uh, Arkansas. He is the Howard Hughes of Arkansas. He owns all the movie theaters, basically. The good ones, at least, here in central Arkansas. Okay, 14 minutes till uh, 8 o'clock here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about East End Towing. Uh, you need a tow, here's who you call. You call 501-888-8849. 501-888-8849. I'm going to try to work to get Patrick uh, McIntyre, uh, the owner of East End Towing, on with us here in the next couple of weeks so we can talk to him about uh, what they have done to make themselves uh, a great towing company like they, they are. Uh, you can learn more about them if you just go to eastendtowing.com as well. Uh, you find out about uh, things that uh, they are part of the Arkansas Tow and Recovery Board. Get him on the air to talk about that. They're licensed and insured. You don't want to use anybody that's not insured, that's a business, that if they screw up from something and they destroy your car or whatever, uh, they've got like right to check. They'd much rather that it be the insurance company. And then each truck is permitted that they have and then they know all of the ins and outs of towing do what i do i got their number in my wallet and i've got it in my glove uh, box if you're if you're a lady and you got uh, you know you get your car put it in the glove box also put it in your purse that's 501-888-8849 if you're a hipster go ahead and uh, and uh, tattoo it on the inside of your forearm uh, east end towing all right, back with you. Matt Smith is with us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. I wanted to ask you about Fast and Furious because I've been hearing they want to get the next Fast and Furious 
on uh, back on the big screen as quickly as they can. They're going back in front of the cameras for 10 and 11, in fact, uh, coming up uh, in the beginning of next year. And the word is out that uh, it looks like Jason Statham and The Rock are coming back to this to this series. You know, all those arguments that those people have, bottom line is money can heal a lot of wounds. Isn't that true? Well, yes, of course, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, that's that's uh, that's why China keeps buying off, you know, uh, old Biden, you know. I mean, yeah. hey, come on. Money. <laughs> no, seriously, they'll be back, and yes, 10 and 11 are going to be made. The sequels are going to be out there. Those stars are coming back. I really don't think that there's there's much argument when, you know, shooting movie like that. They want to get in there and get that done. There's a lot of pent-up demand for movies, and these people want to work. You know, they've been sidelined for a year and a half with no filming, no production, no movies in the pipeline. So they want to go back to work. And, you know, people want to go watch these films, and the people participating want to get them made. Uh, I, I think the last quarter of this year, uh, the attendance at movie theaters is going to be exceptional. Well, I, a lot I of great films out there. I watched that. As I said, watch Black Widow, and then I'm a, I, I'm a trailer guy. I love if you wanted to pay twenty minute play twenty minutes of trailers before a movie, I'd sit there and watch them without any problem uh, to see what was coming. But last night, uh, Emily Blunt and uh, Daryl Johnson, The Rock, uh, introduced their ne- their next motion picture, Jungle Cruise. And I'm going to tell you, Matt, that looks like a big winner to me. Yes, that is July 30th. Uh, we've got a lot of good stuff coming up. July 16th, of course, is Space Jam for the Kids, PG. Escape Room 2 is July 16th. Uh, on July 23rd, we have Snake Eyes from Paramount Pictures, the G.I. Joe story. Right. Uh, also on July 23rd uh, is Old, the new... Uh, film from Universal with uh, the man who brought us Sixth Sense and The Village. Okay. Uh, M. Night Shyamalan, if I'm saying his name correctly. That's right. on July 23rd. And then July 30th, you have Jungle Cruise from Walt Disney, uh, Stillwater with Matt Damon from Focus Features, and The Green Knight from Area 24. All of those are July 30th. Wow, that's a big opening day. Big weekend. Big weekend there. August the 6th is Suicide Squad. Ooh. And August thirteenth is Don't Breathe Two. Yeah, a lot, I was, a lot of great films. That's funny. You just took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to ask when uh, Don't Breathe Two was going to open. Thanks for letting me know that because I'm looking forward to that motion picture uh, a- as well as they bring back the basically the original cast from the first movie. Yes, uh, at least the people forget, who didn't get choose, killed. <laughs> don't forget Tuesday night, Wizard of Oz. Oh yeah, I think it's only five dollars. 7 p.m., Riverdale10.com. It's a Dave Ellswick classic. Tuesday, July 13th, 7 o'clock. Wizard of Oz PG, the original on the big screen. That's right. We always do that motion picture every year. We do that every year. I got to tell you, next year, there is a. I want to do one of these motion pictures for a classic. I want to do an Elvis movie. I don't think we've ever done an Elvis movie. We got to do an Elvis cool. movie. I think we got to do Viva Las Vegas. What do you think? Ah, uh, okay. What about King Creole? Well, King Creole was a good movie. That yeah, was one of those two. That was one of the better movies that he acted in. In fact, yeah. and it, it, it yeah. got it's gotten uh, the critics even got behind it. But I'm no, I'm I'm just saying, Elvis and 
and Anne Margaret in their prime. I'm just telling you, that might be the best two. Viva Las Vegas and King Creole. I, I, that's probably the best two. I don't think there's an argument against that. Good stuff, really. I sure wasn't Burning Arrow. That's for sure. Okay. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it wasn't any of the westerns that he did. Let's just put it that way. You know, Man. I like the ones where, where he's the stock car driver or the race car yeah. driver or whatever, and that's where yeah. Viva, Viva Las Vegas comes in. I mean, he had that. He had Speedway and I, I Spin Out. I think those are the three ones where he was the car driver, and, and yeah. they came out like back to back to back. But I mean, Viva Las Vegas is the one with Anne Margaret in leather with her motorcycle. I mean, come on now. The come colonel on. kept him working. You know, sure. the, yeah, the, yeah, kept him working. Do you, you know, know he was he was a version of Britney Spears back now, then? Yeah. Do you know why he never went to Europe and toured? I I know because the answer the to this. Was a felon and couldn't get a pass. That's right. He yeah. was he was not a U.S. citizen. Yeah, but I think uh, I think Britney Spears' dad is gonna is gonna you know pass the colonel in uh, oh, you know worst God. managers of all time. Is that not an outrageous story? They're making it's, her it's, take birth control pills, dude. It's 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 it yeah. It's like slavery. The stuff you read, it's insane. It's like yeah. she's a captive or something. I, I mean, don't. I don't. Something. What was the movie? There's a movie that came out that was about that. A woman was like she would find people that were getting ready to. To like retire and she would go in and like take over their lives and I stuff. I care a lot. I care a lot. Yeah. That yes. that's exact watch that movie. That's exactly what they're talking about with Britney Spears. Yeah, so the documentary they did on her and this conservatorship. I mean, that's that's I mean, it's just unbelievable. Unbelievable what the what the kids going through. So I think uh, I think Elvis was suffering from some of that kind yes, of stuff he did. Colonel Parker. He, he there's no doubt about that. Uh, yes. Parker took him for a lot of money. No doubt about that at all. All right, we're just about out of time here. Uh, any specials going on? Well, you know, hey, it's $5 for all movie tickets on Tuesdays. And, of course, on Monday and Thursday mornings, you can get in for a couple of dollars to watch a movie, Coke and popcorn, just a dollar on Monday and Thursday mornings at 10.30 a.m. And then on Wednesday, free popcorn with every ticket purchase if you've got the free popcorn bucket. And don't forget, Tuesday night, Where's the Vaz? Just $5. Tickets are at Riverdale10.com. Be sure to come check it out. I was going to tell you, one of the people behind the counter yesterday were doing their, their job. Uh, I went in, and I said, couples combo. And uh, he, so, he looks at me and says, you know, I got a better deal for you. Uh, and he holds up a bucket, and he goes, oh, I said, no, don't worry about that. And I held up my bucket. <laughs> there you go. Hey, you got to love it, man. They're you upselling. They're doing the job that you tell them to do. Love it. All right, love Matt. It. Thanks so much. We appreciate you. Weekend. All right, everybody. Make sure if you want to go see a movie this weekend, go see Black, Black Widow. It's well worth your money. It really is. It's a good film. You'll enjoy it. And as you heard uh, Matt talking, there's a lot of great movies coming up here in the next few weeks. That end of August sounds like it's going to be crazy with the, you know, the Green Knight and everything else opening up on one day. All right, on Monday, the Power Panel will be back and we'll be ready to take on the issues and talk about what's going on. Uh, we'll have a special guest join us, too, about racism. You'll want to hear that and how it doesn't really exist as the left says it does. And uh, just be a typical great show. I'll see you at 6 a.m. Monday. Have a great weekend.